Welcome back, everybody. Oh, hey, not welcome. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I was in the groove of the old days. You can welcome him back. Welcome back to the new show, The Grande. What are we calling it? The Matt Townsend Show Grande. Grande Burrito. Grande Magnifico. Matt Townsend Show Maximum Extreme. An extra 33% more fat. 33% bigger. This is the Matt Townsend Show two-hour version. We're now doing a two-hour show, which means uh, Sky has to be here a little bit longer, which allows him for about, uh, I don't know, another hour of sleep while he's here. Yeah, I guess I guess I could think about it like that. That's Look at I the glass do. half full. I didn't think about that yeah. before. You always thought, oh, man, I'm going to be tired because I'll be working. But in reality, you sleep when you work. And so. it was super nice yesterday because Matt brought cookies. Yeah. So I, was, I, was, I had a better show yesterday. Did anyone had- bring cookies today? Well, I was saying maybe you could bring some cookies. You could start bringing cookies. Uh, no. I don't know if you know this, but I am the talent. <laughs> that's talent, a, I don't know. I don't know if that word is it that's a vague fit, word. It? I don't know. I am the um, hmm. I'm the non-talent. You're the person with who talks a lot, and so therefore we can. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Well, the old rule of thumb, if you watch in television, is. If there's a fight between, say, the producer and the guy whose name is on the poster in Times Square, yeah, who poster does management let poster go? Poster always wins. Poster always poster wins. Poster always wins. Not so that Matt lame. has a Times Square poster. A, I don't have a poster at all. Actually, there's one in the post office, <laughs> but I don't want to talk about it because they can't prove it. Um, this is the Matt Townsend Show, and on this show, we like to talk about issues that uh, that apply to you, to your life to your world. And today we're talking money. Okay. Because we're talking money and how it it impacts your relationships. Apparently, and as I look at the crew here, um, A, most of you don't have money, right? This is BYU run, student, not student run, but professional trained students that are poor. B, you're neither, none of you are married, right? And and to a large degree, not really in any relationships. And I think there's a correlation there. Yeah. Okay. Well, so this really isn't for you guys. This is for every listener out there in listener land. Money impacts relationships. It's negative. It makes people fight. It's one of the leading causes of divorce. Did you know that? Number one topic, number one thing we, we bring to marriage counseling is communication problems. Number one problem we can't talk about, money. Boom. Huge. Do you guys have fights with uh, about your money with yourself? No, well, no. Hold on, hold on. Huh? Okay, Matt. Hold Go on, ahead, Bryce. Do you fight? Do you fight with yourself about how you spend? No, no, no. no. Uh, utilities with roommates. Ooh, okay. Let's talk about that. That's for a probably the closest thing. Well, it just seems like on. it's a no-brainer, right? Because you just have to divide it by however many roommates. Right. It should be that simple. But sometimes roommates like to turn the heater up in the summer to save on utilities. Yeah. And other people are not okay. Are with they that. running a sweat lodge? That's what it feels like. Okay. There's nothing. Okay, you're turning the heater on is a waste. Not not the heater, but, but they don't. They don't have the air. What you accidentally do is when you walk by, you switch it from auto to off, and it gets and up then, to like 81, 82. I'll let somebody else worry about it. <sighs> okay, welcome to my world. See, that is you guys are like you're married. That's what marriage feels like. Except 
you have to share the bedroom with the person when one is freezing and one is sweating to death. That's how roommates work, Matt. No, but oh, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Matt's never had a roommate. I've never had a roommate. I've just had a wife. But we're not roommates. We're partners forever. And we fight about money. Everyone fights about money. Everyone does, except you guys, because you just fight about who's turning the heat up. No, I, I fight about it. You fight about money with when me we, yourself? No. It's with your my, money. With my, with my roommates. Well, actually, I do kind of fight with myself. What do you fight? Like, hey, no. I'll be like, Bryce, uh, you always buy so much well, junk. You don't need the wheat thins. You don't need them. <laughs> but I want them. Holy cow. Really? You have um, this actually, fight in your head. It's actually Pringles. It's more like Gollum when he's talking to Smeagol. Yeah, and yeah. Two different personalities. Yeah. yeah. That's weird. I've seen Bryce do it. It's really bizarre. Well, yeah. He goes into like Bryce rant uh-huh. and then normal rant. Have you ever noticed Bryce's hair looks like Gollum's? <laughs> he did not have hair, according <laughs> to the movies and according to the books. You've got a lot of hair. Okay, here's the first fight ever. Um, sitting with my wife. First fight, I think, ever in our marriage. So how how many months into? <sighs> we were probably nine months in. Okay. I mean, first big fight that mattered yeah. where it got really crazy. We were rich, okay? I don't want to brag, but we were we were rich because my wife was a school teacher. Oh, she had she had a real job. Yeah, and everyone knows sugar mama. Yeah, sugar mama. She she had just graduated, and I was still in school, but she was loaded because everyone knows school teachers in their first year loaded, and so we're sitting there. We decided to go out on the town. We went to Wendy's. Um, hey, I went there last night. Do the not way, knock Wendy's. No, Wendy's was rocking. And this was, by the way, pre-dollar uh, menu. So, and this is also pre-combo meal. It was back when the patty was square. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, we had to make up our own combo meal. So we're sitting there, and my wife thought we ought to be saving money, frugal. And I'm like, let's live large. Because she made, I'm pretty sure, 1200 bucks a month. Loaded. I made two fifty, so we were throwing back fourteen hundred bills. <laughs> Sounds so weird to say fourteen hundred dollars, and um, lived in a basement apartment. I think our rent was like three fifty. What's the big deal? Owned our cars. I think I can't remember. I think we were paying off a wedding ring. That was what I brought. I brought, yeah. I brought her wedding ring debt into our marriage. Okay. It's kind of pathetic, but um, you know, I wasn't a rich man. Hey, will you marry me and and and, and, uh, pay, for and, your ring. and pay for your ring <laughs> with it, your big hey, that's, income? That's a real thing because I remember my, talking to my grandmother the other day, and she says, "Yeah, I remember when when Bob proposed, I had to help him make the last payment on the." Oh yeah, but let's so be that's real. The thing, you know? That's probably what they're looking forward to the most. Oh, for sure. Ring. That's the, what they want. If, you, the most. if they could just buy their own ring and get away with it, they would. They don't need us. They pick it out. We're just the middle man, quite literally, just the man in the middle. Oh. Yeah, you guys need to buy the ring. It's like well, we, I did buy commitment. it. She just paid it off. <laughs> but I picked it out, which was kind of a disaster. And um, But then she bought me a ring, let's be real, uh, and my ring easily cost a thousandth of what her ring cost. And I ended up losing mine. But I digress. So I was sitting at McDonald's uh, ordering a combo. Wait, Wendy's? McDonald's. Wendy's. You're changing your story on No, us. it's Wendy's. It was totally Wendy's. In fact, yeah, anyway, I'll even give you the location if you need it. I have pictures. <laughs> We're sitting there, and she says, I go, I'll have a combo meal. This was pre-combo, but I basically said, I'll have a hamburger, a single, I think, and um, fries. I had to figure out, like, what goes with a single. I'm going to go with fries. And um, I want a beverage. And she looked at me. She says, no, Matt, I'm just getting water. 
And I'm like, oh, that'll be good for you. You'll enjoy your water. Isn't, isn't water a type of beverage? Well, I was talking about a bubbly beverage. I was talking about a diet Coca-Cola beverage. And I'm like, I think I'll, I'll partake in the diet beverage. And she's like, no, 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 Matt. I'm just having, um, I'm having water. And I'm like, great. Water's yummy. You will enjoy that. And she says, well, um, you could have water. And I'm like, well, sure I could. I could have a lot of things. But I'm going to have this other drink. And she's like, uh, do you think we're loaded or something? And your answer was? And my answer was, what? <sighs> loaded? No, I'm just getting a drink. And she says, Matt, we can't afford drinks every time we go out. And then I said the words that I learned later. I'm so ready for this. You don't say. Probably okay. the worst idea. Here ever. are the words that you don't say. Hey, why don't you get a crowbar and stick it in your wallet, you little cheapskate, and just pull the money out, and I'll pay you 89 cents tomorrow you, for the beverage. You said those words? Pretty much. And I don't remember much after that. I just remember a lot of people were hurt. Like there was blood mm-hmm. and breaking no, things. This is literally what happened. Nobody believes me, but I was sirens. There. No, her head spun all the way around, and fire shot out her eyeballs. And she talked like this. Was this her first conniption? Yes, and her last. She has not conniped since. Is that a word? Look it up. So anyway, that was our first fight, and I'm like, and it got bad, and I'm like, look, if I'm so bad, just why don't you just why don't you these are this where it got bad. If I'm so bad, why don't you just divorce me? Boom. <laughs> not that word. Not I said the D word, and um, and then she said the words I'll never forget again. There is no out. <laughs> You're in this forever. And then she said, don't ever say the D word again. She's got a really deep voice. I know. It's kind of like Grover. It was scary. But she said, there's no, you don't. And I, so in our family, we made a little deal where we don't say the D word ever. And I, which was hard because I was a divorce mediator. And my kids were like, what do you do, daddy? And I'm like, I can't tell you. You're like, I do stuff. Dad does stuff. And I can't tell you. Are you a spy? No. Yes. Yes, daddy's a spy. Because I can't tell you. And um, anyway, first fight, money. Isn't that weird? Money still is hard because, you know, all of a sudden, I. by the way, when my daughter got married, all of a sudden my wife's like handing her all this money. And I'm like, where'd you get all that money? And she's like, just been saving it. She's been saving it from those Diet Pepsis she didn't get. Yeah. No. She's been saving it from me. No, she found that crowbar you were talking about. Crowbar. <laughs> yeah, so a little rule out there, and we're going to talk to pros that really know how to say this, but... Don't ever say, hey, tightwad, get the crowbar out. Don't ever say that. I'm just telling you, it doesn't work. Don't ever threaten divorce. Don't ever threaten it. Especially when you're the person who's kind of starting the fight. Yeah. That's like saying, oh, what? You don't want me playing with matches? I'm going to burn everything down then. I wasn't starting it. I was finishing it. (laughs) Yeah, that was sad. So um, today we're talking about uh, money in marriage because apparently there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong there. And in my own coaching practice, I see it all the time. People come in all day long, so frustrated. There's always a spender and a saver, right? So there's the so almost any time I see a really person, a strong person complaining about their partner that's such a spender, I usually see that the other partner's really frugal, right? Frugal is what we call it, not tightwad. And um, those are the words I learned. And so spender, saver, do you have that going on in your marriage? That's what we're talking about today, how to make it through. Because according to Hannah and some of her research, money – if you fight about money, it's there's a correlation to divorce. Yeah, if you fight about money um, more than 
a couple of times a month, if it gets to the point where it's once a week, you are 30% more likely to get a divorce. But it's also just as bad if you don't talk about money at all. Okay, here's a little bit, bit of advice. If you fight about money a lot, then I would organize all of your bills to one day. Then you would only have to fight about your money one day a month. Just some ideas. But wouldn't you fight 30 times as much on that one day? It would be a big fight. But again, don't say tightwad, don't say crowbar. But and if the D word comes out. And don't out. threaten the D word. <laughs> because it, the funny thing about it is divorce rates, uh, it, the research actually shows you're supposed to try to combine your money. Happier couple or couples that have a lower divorce rate have combined their money. Can't she just have her account and I have mine and I pay for some stuff and she pays for some stuff? Well, that's great until she ends up paying for more. Well, then we just need to buy a bigger house so that I pay the same amount. Okay. See, that's where you're going to get in money trouble right there. So here I sit looking at five singles. Do any of you budget? Do any of you have a budget? Yes. Raise your hand. I've thought really hard about it. Okay. (laughs) So two of you have a budget? Do you have a budget, Skyboy? Well, define budget. Like, Do you have a plan monthly for how much you're going to spend? I don't plan it out, but I mean, I've been doing the same thing for a few years now. And so you don't out. have a budget. So the day that <laughs> something changes in your life, you're going to die financially. No. I mean, I'm, I'm smart about my money. Like I never, well, yeah. I, I, I budget a little bit. So, you, so do you ever, who balances their checkbooks? That, we don't do that anymore. Who no. balances their bank statements? I have the internet. I, I look at it. I make sure, you know, there's not weird charges on it. <laughs> Bryce has the internet. I, oh, check, I check it every, I don't know, once, maybe every two weeks, you know, on that one day that I get paid. And then I look and go, yep, still positive. I'm rolling Keep the it. ship rolling. <laughs> I catch the vision of where this is going, though, okay. because I'm not in a relationship yes. yet. And you don't. But I'm finding my budget collapsed last week. Why? It's because you're dating like well, a crazy Well, because Tuesday man. night, it was like 28 bucks. Yeah. You know, and so then Wednesday night, Dutch. it was like 31 bucks. And then Thursday night, it was $18. Okay. And by the time I got to the end of the week, I'd spent $120 that I wouldn't have spent. Yes. Now, are we closer to love? Um, no. Are we but circling I got to, it? I got to eat out. That was cool. That was not bad because did you get good food? Yeah. Indian food and mm. hamburgers. and. Mm. But, you... the but, you know, the budget kind of got slammed. Yeah. Did you get to bring back leftovers? Because that's what really saves your nope. budget. Ate it up. What All does that. a shared budget even look like? I have never known anyone in my life, parents, family, anyone that has had a shared budget. Don't look at me. I don't budget. <laughs> or is yours not shared? Well, actually, yeah, we do budget. She just doesn't share it with me. So it's a non-shared budget. I don't – we don't budget like that. No. Nope. Does she give you like a daily allowance of how much money you're allowed no. to spend? We do have rules. See, but we made rules like you're not allowed to have – uh, you're not allowed to spend more than so much money. I feel like your relationship, you know, the Jetsons like opening yeah. animation thing where the husband where, yeah. gives the wife money. Yeah, I or feel like it's, it's flipped. With, yeah. I actually, here's a true thing. I don't ever see any money. So here's, I literally see no paychecks. My paychecks go to my wife, and I have a card, and they, I have a business card, and I have a family card and both my business people and my family people watch me like a hawk and if i spend something they'll say what what did you just buy at walmart or like look milky ways don't buy themselves i'm like the canoe was on sale i needed a canoe and so all of a sudden i got to tell them what the canoe's for for the mad townsend canoe trip 
<laughs> getting couples to fight each other over open water. Over open water. One canoe trip at a time. Um, no, see, so I don't budget. So, Hannah, that's a great question. I wouldn't know what to tell you. But we've got pros that will tell you later. If you share a budget, does that mean one person balances the books? Because from a lot of people that we've talked to, women typically, the yeah. wife typically balances the what books. What numbers did you see? It's like 70%, I think, of spending is done by the female. Yeah, it's done by the wife. So they apparently have the money. <laughs> Why is that? And if they're balancing the book, they're also the one that knows where it all is. So the man is doing Guys. what in this? In business, this is called conflict of interest and insider trading. Yes. It's a monopoly, too. Um, that's what we're talking about on the show. Do you have problems like this? Do you even know where your money is? Do you even know how much money you have? We're talking money and your relationships. Is it getting in the way? Is it causing a power struggle? We're going to be back talking to experts. Our own Bryce Tobin is going to put together a little bit of a a rant for us about the price of fighting over your money. And uh, then we're going to be bringing on an expert who's going to walk us through how to uh, manage our money better. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Um, We're talking money. And, you know, I'm in a room with a bunch of people that are loaded because they're students. In fact, my daughter's like, I got a Pell Grant, Dad. I'm like, oh, I'm so proud of you. She's like, I'm rich. (laughs) And then what did she spend it on? School, I guess. Oh, I wouldn't have done that. Well, that would be illegal. Uh, well, I would have gotten a budget for books, and then I would have found the books online for free, and then I would Hold have... on. You can get books for free online? Uh, if you look hard enough, you can find anything for free online. Wow. You're like a couponer. Sort of. Bryce Tobin, the couponer. Except it's always somewhat questionable. Yeah. Yeah, it always is. Like, if you have to... Yeah. If it has to... If you have to get it out of the back of a car in some some alley with some motorcycle guy that's about to beat you up when it's like that's bad when the when the end of the like the url the address is like a country that you've never heard of yeah you're in a you're in the weird part of the internet and you need to be careful yeah you're with the same group of people that send out the letter that says you've won 20 million dollars it's like the beyond section of bed bath and beyond you don't know it's just like empty space you you know know what i've never been to the beyond part well, neither have I. I don't know. If, is there a... I don't Come know if on. I've actually... You go to the Bed Bath & Beyond every weekend. Uh, we're talking today money, and our own Bryce Tobin has put together a rant, Bryce, about, you know, the, the price of what we fight about. Is that what it's about? It's... Uh, we don't fight about the things you'd expect to. Good point. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce is Right. So you found that special someone, you're starting your life together, how adorable, and you start buying things together. You buy a $2,000 fancy bed that'll get rid of all your back problems and record your really good dreams and alter the space-time continuum so that they come true, or at least that's what all the infomercials at 2am tell me. Then you buy computers, those are at least $400 a piece, but usually a lot more. Even just a furnished a small apartment can be a punch in the wallet, but that's okay because there are expenditures you need to make. What about when you're finally done with apartment living, you decide to buy a 
house. Let's just assume that you have everything in order. It fits your needs and the location is good and you can pay for it and it's a $200,000 house. That's kind of a big deal. And then the clunkers you drove around in your single life eventually kick the bucket so you get new cars. Once again, let's assume you've got your stuff together and you pick a reasonable car. Each one's about $30,000. They weren't bought at the same time, but an expense like this can be anticipated. So let's talk about expectations. There are some things in this world that meet expectations, like when I get angry. Let's say I close my fingers in the car door. That invokes a certain angry reaction. But let's say I slam my pinky toe into a wall. More pain, more damage, more frustration, and therefore a much angrier reaction filled with yelling and flailing. So, logic would assume that money fights between couples would follow the same pattern. The intensity of the fight would scale with the amount of money spent. But that doesn't seem to be the case. No, we start fights over getting premium gas versus regular. Or because one person wanted the name brand cereal and didn't opt for the store brand. Expenditures that can only come to something around $15. So to prevent any money fight, the only advice I can offer would be to make massive expenditures. Yeah, you may be sleeping on the couch because you bought a $6 game for your phone, but if you'd bought two new $300 phones, one for both of you, even though you're already drowning in debt, everything would be just fine. Do you see how backwards this is? When we fall on hard times and the house payments and the car payments are looming, what do we get mad about? Do we get mad at each other for not taking the $170,000 house that was pretty much as good as the $200,000 one we went with? No, we get mad because one person got a $3 automatic car wash instead of doing it in the driveway. So remember, when you buy that apology gift, make sure it breaks the $500 threshold because $12 of flowers is only going to make things worse. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. That's quite the little research you did there. Oh, well, yes. But I think you're onto it because we buy a car, nobody balks. Well, you need a car. Well, But unless you buy a car without the other person knowing. Yeah, that's a bad. I yeah. well. Hey, su- like, where'd surprise. you get this car thing? Ah, I just bought it. Surprise, we're in debt. Yeah, but it's my wife to this day. Back to the beverage story. Every time I buy a beverage at a store, I mean, like at dinner, you hear this thing. It sounds like this. Tell me if you if you've, you've never heard this, but it sounds just like wait, just wait. <sighs> oh, like just like that. <sighs> the condescending, like, yeah. but it's not. But it, like, she like tries not to with angst. Yeah. She so tries not to, but you can just feel like, <sighs> just like that. And I'm like, what? Nothing. Just because Matt wants his, just his drink cherry blueberry limeade yeah. with concoction. This the, you know, $9 drink. It's that drink thing bugs her. And then she does the math. She's like, if you buy a drink every day and you times it by a million days, <laughs> that's a million drinks. That's a million bucks. Do you know what we could do with a million bucks? Might buy a lot of drinks. <laughs> but she's, but it, so, but interestingly, she'll go to Costco and throw down 400 bucks. But it was Costco. I and mean, like, that's ridiculous. I mean, I don't, I don't need 60 corn dogs. Oh, but, but you know, who, you, like, like, you don't need it. You don't need it. <laughs> But, you know, just so you have it. Just so you have it. I mean, that goes back to the Arrested Development segment that some people out there may have heard where they're buying a house. And they they didn't know what they could afford and they didn't know what they couldn't afford. But you ought to buy – you ought to have the gate house just so you have it. You know, they kept two saying, garages. Yeah. We, well, we only need one. But just so you have a second. You know, just so you have it. Because it's kind of free money you're thinking when you're buying a house. It's free money. And if you've qualified – and you can make the payment. You're making the payment anyway. So, I mean, if we can just – let's just do it so we have it. You know, what's an extra 
900 square feet just so we have it. Well, then all of a sudden, that mentality, you have a lot. You have a lot. Yeah. But do you own a lot? No. You're a lot in debt. And you have it. So you have it. And then when you have it, you got to fill it up. So then you need to buy stuff to put in it. I mean, you may as well because you have it. Why would you have it without using it? Without using it. Exactly. See, the, the, the logic we use with our money, I think it's because we're clueless. We don't know really what how money works. And then suddenly the recession. Boom. Now you know. Neener, neener. We're going to be bringing on an awesome guest. Christina Steinorth is going to be talking to us about money and marriage, how we should be kind of negotiating our money and our marriage a little bit more effectively, how to make sure that it's not the big fight that's causing the big D, which we're not using that word. Uh, This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to take a break. Come back. We're talking money and your marriage right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, all you rich listeners, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking money and your marriage. Mowage. Mowage and your money and how you manage your money to not destroy your marriage. You know, it seems like you'd be on the same page. It seems like you'd have the same goals. It seems like, you know, just simply because you're in love, you would obviously have the exact same spending habits, the exact same exercise of self-control. But apparently, tis not so, folks. Tis not so. Uh, We seem to be different when it comes to our money, and uh, it impacts relationships. Uh, Some of the research shows that when couples go to get help, one of the biggest problems they take to marriage counseling is the fact that they have communication problems. And the number one problem they can't communicate seems to be the old money issue. So we brought in an expert, a psychotherapist, author, relationship expert. Christina Steinorth uh, has a master's in, uh, in, in marriage and family therapy. She's a psychotherapist and a popular relationship expert on radio and in print. Her advice has been featured in publications such as the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Women's Day, Cosmopolitan, and the Chicago Tribune. She's the author of a new book, Cue Cards for Life, Thoughtful Tips for Better Relationships. And you can find more uh, from her at Christina North, uh, ChristinaSteinNorth.com. Christina Stein North. St- ChristinaSteinNorth.com, S-T-E-I-N-O-R-T-H.com. Go check her out there. Christina, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you for having me here today. Sorry for blowing up your name. No worries, no worries. But really, this money thing, again, when we're first in love, it's just like, of course we'll, we'll get along. I mean, duh. Well, you know, when we're first in love, we get along about everything. Totally. We love each other's family. Yeah. We love where you live. Sure, we, I'll rub your feet. <laughs> I'll Stuff rub like your that. feet. All right. You know what? I'll brush your, your, your flea-bitten flea dog. I'll do all yeah. that when we first get together. <laughs> right. And then it all changes, doesn't it? You know, it, it takes about 12 months for it to change, but yes, it certainly starts to change. When we're in a relationship for the first 12 months, we're basically selling ourselves to the other person, which is why we do all this. Yeah. Closing so, the deal. Exactly. And, you know, part of that is we may not hide our we may hide our financial uh, financial bad habits 
Let's, yeah, because you, you, you don't want to come right out of the chute talking about how financially messed up you are. Yeah, it's usually not really uh, engaging somebody <laughs> you're trying to attract to say, did I tell you that I'm $20,000 in credit card debt? <laughs> and wait till you see my student loans. Exactly. And <laughs> let me tell you about the alimony I'm paying. Yeah. Isn't that funny? So we hide it. So the irony is here we're trying to land a, a new partner and... You know, and, and show them how great we are. But in reality, we're starting with some hidden secrets. You know, well, that's for many areas of our life. You know, it takes some time to start seeing the real person. Yeah. And the financial aspect is part of it as well. Now, um, it's it's funny, though, it's, as I work with clients, too, about um, how to manage finances and, and how they do it. There's There's a million different ways that couples end up you know, taking care of their finances, everywhere from basically ignoring it to just fighting about it every every week. I mean, wh- when is a normal time that we should even be talking finances? I mean, are we supposed to bring it up early? Are we supposed to, are we always going to agree on it? You know, no, we're not always going to agree. And I think a good time to bring up finances is when you've dated in the four to six month window, because usually if you've lasted to four four to six months, you, you've kind of got an idea in your head that this may be going further. Right. If you had glaring differences, you would have broken up by then. So that's kind of a, that's a, a pretty good indicator that maybe we now need to get real with more of the truth. I mean, more of the whole truth. I mean, and a lot of us don't have huge hidden secrets, but, you know, this is where the tolerance, because some people just have no tolerance for debt, you know, and some carry a lot higher tolerance. That's true. And, you know, you'll have different philosophies about spending. You know, some people, it's it's okay to go put it on a credit card. And other people say, you know, I would never pay for anything with a credit card. I'd only go with cash. Right. So those are the types of things that you want to start addressing. Do, um, I guess, and have you noticed this in your practice? It seems like a lot of times it's that first year of marriage or, you know, the partnership being together where, that first year was really hard for me. It's, it's, it's hard because you then have to start breaking down some of these barriers and even start having some rules and some agreements about your money. And what I recommend to avoid that difficulty in the first year, because I, I'm with you. I thought that the first year of marriage was, oh, my gosh, yeah, this is just hard. But I think that it would be easier, and I know it would have been easier for myself and perhaps you, if we would have discussed these things thoroughly before we got married. Sure. And in as much detail as possible, you know, come up with a budget. Who's going to pay for what? What happens if one of you can't or won't work? You know, how are you going to handle lending money to family members? Are you going to make them sign a contract? Will yeah. you lend money to people? Those types of things can blow up into huge arguments down the road. Isn't that – I mean, those are those are big issues. And, in fact, I've had a lot of clients lately, even pro athletes, that, you know, they make a lot of money, but there's they have these desires, these dreams to, you know, buy their parents' homes and take care of them. And their spouse is like, What? We don't even have a house yet. You're not buying your parents a home. And it seems like such a noble thing, but and it's something they've been carrying with them forever. They just have never talked about it. And see, if they would have talked about that before they got married, at least their spouse would have had some kind of awareness, okay? Well, maybe I can come. Ideally, you want to come to an agreement with that before you get married. But at least if you would have brought it up before, you know, you wouldn't kind of ambush your spouse. Or, oh, by the way, I'm going to go spend, you know, spend all this money on my parents or... I'm going to lend this money to my, my brother or my sister. Right. And it's okay if they don't pay me back. Hey, it's just money. 
you know, your spouse may not agree with that. Yeah, no, I mean, because the funny thing about money, there's so much wrapped around it, right? Like power, control, freedom. So it's not when we just say the word money, uh, it really means so much to so many different, so many things to so many different people, right? It does, and it can cause a huge imbalance, a power imbalance in the relationship, which is another reason I would want people to talk about it before you walk down the aisle. Because if one of you is making more than the other, this could always be a source of dissension in your marriage because the one who's making less may feel like the one who makes more holds all the power. But if you divide your, if you divide how you're going to spend your money, how you're going to save it, it alleviates some of that. I, I think I just saw a study about that, that um, a, a husband's wife making more money than him doesn't always breed peace and joy. It doesn't because a lot of men associate their masculinity with their earning potential. Mm -hmm. And they find it, some of them find it emasculating when they're not making as much money as their wives. So, you know, you kind of have to walk that line too, and you have to do it very, very gingerly. And, you know, say that, you know, your value to me as a man doesn't come from your earning potential. There are so many other things you bring to my life. And we need to reassure the men in our life that we value them not just for their paycheck. Yeah, I think that's such a good reason why the the talking about it is this is it's the communication that's going to get us on the same page and and on the same goals. I mean, if we all have the same goals, it might be great. I'll provide now when we start having kids, we'll switch and you can provide more and we're just going to rotate this role and getting on the same page. I mean, it really you can't be harmed by being on the same page financially in your marriage. There's no harm. There's, there's no harm whatsoever, and I, I think that why so many people are afraid to talk about it is because we're basically reared to think that it's, it's ill-mannered. Yeah, it's taboo, huh? Yeah, you're not supposed to bring it up, but you know what? If you can't bring it up with your spouse, who can you pick it up, bring it up with? So I encourage you, yes, you must have this conversation, no matter how uncomfortable it makes you. It, w- it could possibly save you from divorce court. Oh, yeah. Well, and as a, as a person, I've been a divorce mediator. And have sat there mediating divorces. And for anybody that doesn't know it, um, marriage is a financial arrangement. It is. Period. So if if you're going to terminate a marriage, you've got a major contractual agreement that needs to be divided. So it's not – I mean, in, in a weird way, it's almost where the marriage gets the most legal is in, is in that realm. It's true. You know, it, it's kind of like – a business. It's two individuals coming together, and you're building a business, you know, in your financial aspect. I'm not saying that marriage is a business, but the financial part becomes very business-like. You accumulate assets together. You have uh, retirement accounts together. You've built a life together. And these are the types of things that if you have certain financial goals, you need to be on the same page if you, if you expect to achieve them. And mm. if you're not on the same page, you're going to have so much dissension like any kind of company. If the, the heads of the company don't agree, you'll see companies split off from one another. Your marriage will be no different, I promise you. Yeah. And actually, the very document itself does protect you financially, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty clear how division of assets takes place in, in a lot of the family law and stuff. So the, do, you, do you suggest, should, should couples that are cohabitating, should they be sharing their finances? 
You know, it's such a personal decision for me personally. It's not something I would do because I, I do believe that marriage protects your finances better because if you're living together and you commingle your finances, what happens if it goes south and your partner decides to drain all your bank accounts? Mm-hmm. They could theoretically get away with it, whereas in marriage you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it, it's a it's a more complicated thing, and two, I mean, a lot of cohabitating relationships don't usually last as long either, statistically. So it's a no, that's true. So all of a sudden, you're I mean, you're just putting your money at risk. I I've always found that, and I know the statistics with marriage and and divorce kind of parallel this that that couples that that commingle their money and their funds, you have to play the game, you have to play ball at a higher level. Then, if you just kind of you're married, but you have two separate funds, have you noticed that? It's true. I I think that you're more invested in it. Yeah, you're both working toward the mutual goal, rather than you know, okay, this is my pile, this is your pile. You know, when you when you work toward it together, it's a team approach, which yeah. is also very good for a marriage. It's good rapport building. It gives you that team building thing that you can face other problems together too. Do you do you suggest that you mingle them first, educate second, or do you educate first, mingle them second? Always educate first. Yeah. Always. I mean, it seems crazy. Like it's like, do I drive first or do I get my education for driving first? Yeah, you I'd need probably to get, get your license first. Yeah, is it? But it's true, huh? And what what we we don't get? Like, I was just asking the crew around here, and they're all single, but they don't have budgets. You know, they're winging it. Maybe one of them does, but it's not something you're just born budgeting. You're not born budgeting. And, you know, we've gotten away from teaching that at school, too. We used to teach that back in the day. And we we don't really talk about that anymore. So, you know, I, I think it's important. Part of all premarital counseling, I believe, should be you sit down and you talk with a financial planner a little bit, and he teaches you how to budget. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I think let's do this. We're going to take a break because I know you have a financial compatibility quiz I do. that you're going to walk us through. So all of you out there in listener land, stay put. We're coming back with Christina Steinorth, uh, author, psychotherapist, and uh, she's going to walk us through a financial compatibility quiz, basically to, to see how you and your partner line up when it comes to finances. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. This segment we call The Hoedown with our new music. Just the toe-tapping music of the Matt Townsend Show Hoedown. Skyway's been working on this music for weeks now. Wow, Sky. I don't know how you... I didn't know you did the country western. and not smile. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Oh, man. See, because we for Again, we've we've moved to a two-hour show. So in a two-hour show, you've got to expand your music repertoire. We've got to mix up the music. We mix it up a bit. We uh, sent Skyboy out to have him put some music together, and uh, he and the boys down at the barn threw together a little hoedown music and, and uh, fixed up our bumpers a little bit. So we appreciate that, Sky. And again, this is the Matt Townsend Show Grande, we call it, the two-hour show. Uh, we're trying to pace ourselves because we don't want to get too overwhelmed. 
But we have an awesome guest on the line. Christina Steinorth is joining us, Master's in Family Therapy. She also has a, another master's degree. She's a psychotherapist and a popular relationship expert on radio and in print. She has uh, had articles in, you know, published in uh, magazines like the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Women's Day, Cosmopolitan. She's finished a book, Cue Cards for Life, Thoughtful Tips for Better Relationships. You can get that at ChristinaSteinorth.com. Go check it out and go look her up on Facebook as well. She's just she's a plethora of, of information. And I love um, I just love how simple she makes things seem. Now, Christina, welcome back with us. Thank you. Let's get to your financial compatibility quiz, because, again, these these are conversations. This would almost this seems like the perfect thing to sit down with your partner and do before you're getting married. This is the perfect thing to do with your partner before you get married. I, you can go to my website. We're going to talk about it right now, and you can print this out and discuss it and take it with your partner. Cool. What we're going to look at is, are you able to talk about your finances openly? You know, if you sense a little bit of discomfort there, you need to start talking about this now and don't stop. Yeah. I mean, because that discomfort's telling you something, right? It is telling you something. You know, it could be just a matter of, you know, that your partner was raised that, oh, I never talk about yeah. finances. But, you know, you need to get past that because you say, we have to have a plan. Mm-hmm. Is we need to know if we have kids, how are we going to pay for college? What Be- happens when we retire? You can't just wing it. It won't work. No, it's and I have a rule. Like I, I told a story earlier about how my wife and I argued. Really, one of our biggest arguments in our marriage was over me buying drinks, soda, and she could just drink water like a camel the rest of her life. <laughs> no, that's just mm-hmm. how we fight. Um, but it was it became an issue because she'd add up the sodas I drink and it would drive her crazy. But what happens is if we can't talk about it, then the natural inclination is to hide it. So then I became a closet drinker <laughs> of soda. It and, it. and it doesn't make the expense go away. No, it doesn't. And, and so so that's a really – that's an important question. So one of your questions is very simply my partner and I can talk about our finances, our salary, our savings, our investments openly and without acrimony. Exactly. And you want to work toward a point where you can both do that and have a civil conversation about it. And I urge you not to get married until you can do that, because believe me, this won't be the last time you have a conversation about finance. Yeah. And, and I mean, it seems like, too, um, you, you still need even you should be able to talk about it openly without acrimony. But there's there could still be tension. So this doesn't mean there shouldn't be tension. You know what? You can agree to disagree. I, it's unrealistic to think that you're going to go through your entire marriage and not disagree on right. on anything. So you know that's. I, I know that they show that on TV and yeah. movies and stuff, but that's not real life. So so because a lot of people are like, well, we're, our marriage is never going to work if we have any disagreement. That's not true. It, it not really true. won't work if you can't talk. It really won't work if you can't talk, and you can have disagreements, and actually disagreements, you can grow from disagreements. Right. It's how you decide to disagree. If, if, say if your wife told you, oh, you know what, Matt, you're just, you're just a hopeless cause. You and your drinks, you know, that's never going to work. You know, you, you would get resentful over it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you have to be respectful, and that, that goes for both partners. Right. And you come to a point where you can mutually agree to disagree, and that's what you're looking for when you can't meet in the middle. Sure. That's great. What are some more questions on the quiz? Well, we want to look at uh, also, are you both in agreement of paying your long-term debt off? Do you pay your credit cards off every month? Mm. 
that will tell you if you have the same savings and spending uh, uh, philosophies. Well, I mean, and there, that's a big deal now because so many of these kids are having a harder time paying off their school debt, their student debt. I mean, and you can carry that forever. I, I know dentists that have been practicing 20 years that are still paying off their debt. And it and it's huge. And, yeah. you know, plus, we're also getting we're giving uh, college people credit cards much earlier yeah. than we used to. Yeah. And you know that just starts that debt ball rolling very very early in life. Mm. Good good one. Another thing we want to look at is you know do you have financial secrets from your partner? Oh, that's huge. It is huge because some of us were raised in families where maybe our moms you know had their secret little account. Yeah. Uh, but those secret little accounts can cause big problems later. Well, and and especially, it's just like any infidelity, right? It's it's the secret that actually is more offensive than the act of hiding the money. It's that you kept a secret from me uh, that you carried this other debt. And again, you've seen it, I know, in your business as well as mine. This is where you see couples get in some insurmountable problems. It is because what you're doing is you're basically betraying your partnership. Yeah. When you thought that you were on the same page and one of you has a secret account or a secret spending behavior, you're undermining that. Mm. So I really urge you to get rid of those financial secrets if you have any and just come clean with your partner. I mean, and again, if they reject you, good to know, you know, good, good, good to know, know. because if, if we're going to if we're going to reject this better now than in three years when I lay it down. It's better now, better before you get married, because then, you, you know, who wants to go through a divorce? Nobody wants no. to do that. So, and these are, this is why you want to have these conversations before you get married, because we're doing all this to avoid divorce. Yeah, great. These are great questions. Again, you can get these, just go to com, and on there is a financial compatibility quiz, and all we're doing th- is going through each step. So... Go to ChristinaSteinorth.com, or you can always go to MattTownsend.com. I have a blog there, and we'll be posting this audio, and that's a, that might be easier for you to get to. Let's keep going. What's another question we need to know? Um, we're going to look at, do you have similar spending behaviors? Are, are, are you, if you don't have similar spending behaviors, are you comfortable with the spending behavior that your partner has? Great question. I mean, because some people don't buy anything, and then they buy, you know, something really nice and expensive and then other people just buy junk all day it's true you know some people like to buy you know maybe like a discount pair of shoes every now and then uh maybe like a hair clip every now and then but then you know your partner will come home with a new mercedes Benz. (laughs) surprise (laughs) well and then you'll say your partner will say well i never buy anything yeah everything i buy is less than five bucks yeah or it's like, I didn't want red, and, and you're like, well, I mean, if you don't want it, I'll drive it. Exactly. <laughs> you bought it for yourself, didn't you? No, I bought it for us. Whatever. It's supposed to be our car. <laughs> so, spending, again, so that's a question about how we spend, and then you have another question about saving behaviors. And it's, you know, it's the opposite of yeah. spending behaviors. You know, do, do both of you like to put money away toward retirement? How much money do you like to put away toward retirement? Yeah. These are the things we want to open up the conversation to. And how much money do you ideally want to have when you retire? Well, and financial or uh, charity and charitable donations. And how much do you think we should give a church? And how much should we give the scouts or whatever? I mean, how much? I mean, I've seen people, a brother-in-law, very wealthy, will just throw down huge money at, for charitable events. And I would look at him like, What? 
But uh, that's just how he feels he wants to give. Well, you know, my husband, he, if you come to my door and you try to sell us something, my husband will buy it. I don't <laughs> care what it is. <laughs> I think he knows my wife. I won't buy it. Like, I'm like, nah. I'm like you. You know, sometimes I don't answer the door. It's like, no, I don't need a third box of Girl Scout cookies. It's yeah. be okay. Yeah. But, you know, he'll say, oh, come on, she's so cute. Let's help out the Girl Scouts. So, yeah, if you want to sell something, come to my house. Isn't that funny? But you know, you know he's a softie, and you can't hate him for that. I mean, he's not, he's just being nice. He is just being nice. So, you know, this is a good example of what was negotiable. Could we come to, could we agree to disagree? Okay. I can agree if he wants to buy some Girl Scout cookies or whoever comes to the door wants to buy that, that's fine. Yeah. You know, because I know that they're not coming to my house to sell us, you know, Rolex watches. It's okay. Right. <laughs> I love that one. I mean, that's, but, but again, there's two sides to the financial equation. One's the, the output of money and one's the saving of money. And if you, if you don't get those tied down, you, you're going to lose. You are going to lose. Eventually, you will have an argument about it. And uh, if you can't come to a resolution about that argument, it's going to lead to resentment. And we all know how that goes. Oh, yeah. Give us another one. Before, we have about, about a minute and a half, and we'll take a break and come back. Uh, what we want to look at is money talk easy between the two of you. We touched on this earlier. Do, do you, one of you get stressed? Do you, do you kind of go off, uh, go off when one brings up the finances? You want to make sure that you can talk about these things calmly and respectfully or nothing will get resolved. And, and that's, that's – I know you'll talk about it when we come back because it seems like um, it's easy to offend somebody when you bring up specifics of their spending. It's like because we're so identified with it and we maybe feel so attacked by it. Uh, is there an easier way that we can bring it up? There is an easier way. Instead of saying, Matt, you spend all this money on soda. Why don't we look at I would recommend you sit down and say, you know what? We're spending a lot on groceries. Why don't we look at where the money mm. is going? Yeah, gather the data. Gather the data. Now, I already Because it's funny. I already know my data. I already know how much I spend. Roughly, but we, we but, generally do. Yeah, but that, that's what's funny is if we just said, let's go look at the data. The data itself will say, look, compared to everything else, I'm I'm outspending her. And a lot of times that when you bring it to somebody's awareness that way, it's it seems less attacking. It doesn't seem like you're targeting right. them, and it brings it to their awareness too. Because maybe you'll say, you know what, I don't really need this soda today. Yeah, I love that. So the idea is kind of just create awareness. Uh, with um, data. Exactly. Let the data do the talking. Then you don't have to. You're right. I like it. I like it. We're talking to Christina Steinorth. Uh, from, uh, if you go to her website, christinasteinorth.com, uh, marriage family therapist. She's teaching us how to talk to our partner about money. We're going to come back, do more of the financial compatibility quiz. We're also going to get into, uh, I guess, some more solutions, some tools, some things we should be doing to uh, talk more effectively about our finances, how we can combine them without all the drama. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your coach, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side is what we call me. And uh, on the show, we like to uh, give you some tools 
as Skyboy calls it, a leg up on this crazy thing we call life. Welcome to the program, giving you some solutions, some tools in today's topic. Of course, marriage and money, those two go together, right? Marriage and money, right, Sky? Yes. If you get married, you get more money, right? I guess if you're in the military. <laughs> if, if you get married, you have to pay more money too. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, don't know if I like but that But if you much. work for the mil- – if you're in the military, I think if you are married, they give you a, a little higher pay. Mm-hmm. Um, the neat thing I found is when I got married, I married a school teacher, so I became filthy rich in – one marriage. I, I've always told my daughter, you can uh, you can get more money in one marriage than you can earn in a lifetime. Wow, uh, it's kind of weird. It's a selfish, <laughs> it's a selfish, self serving motto. I'm sure the rich people don't like to hear that, but we're not rich. Yeah. <sighs> Quit reminding me. Anyway, we're talking money today, and our guest is a wonderful guest. Christina Steinorth is joining us. Master's degree. She has a marriage and family therapy degree as well. She's a psychotherapist and a popular relationship expert on radio and in print. Her advice has been featured in publications such as the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Women's Day, Cosmopolitan, and the Chicago Tribune. Um, her, she has a new book out called Q Cards for Life, Thoughtful Tips for Better Relationships. Again, you can get all of uh, all that information on her website, ChristinaSteinorth.com. Christina, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you, Matt. This is, this is such a big topic because, I mean, I know in my business, coaching couples and um, doing relationship workshops and stuff, money is... It's such a divider. It's such a. It's kind of the barometer. I think. I actually think it's a very good barometer for how couples handle conflict. And I, it seems like money's kind of the easy conflict. Not. I mean, not the easy one to handle, but the easily obvious conflict. But there's other issues that are going to bring just as much stress, just as much pain. I mean, an injury, a sickness, um, a death. I mean, there's in the family, there's stuff that can bring just as much tension as money. So it's really a great practicing uh, playground, isn't it? It is, because you can practice your communication skills, your conflict resolution skills, and it also shows what kind of a team you guys make. Yeah. I mean, really, we you, nobody knows how they're going to handle it till they're in it. And so I think we're all just trying to dodge conflict as long as we can. But in reality, it might be better to take it on and... You know, with this economy, a lot of us have been taking on the money issue. You have a quiz we've been going through, um, and you can anyone that wants to go take the quiz, go to her website, Christina Steinorth, S-T-E-I-N-O-R-T-H, ChristinaSteinorth.com. If you go there, you can take the quiz, and the quiz just has a bunch of questions that uh, we've been going through. What's uh, let, Give us a few more, and then let's uh, let's start talking about what else we should do to combine our finances. Okay, let's look at a few more. I think an important one is that uh, do you have a shared vision for your future in terms of, you know, realistically, where are you going to be five years from now, ten years from now in retirement? Huge. Yeah. It's huge. I mean, I know people that don't want to retire because, you know, they can't imagine being retired. And then I have others that want to retire as young as they can. You know what? I am actually married to somebody who wants to work, you know, as long as he possibly can. Whereas I'm the I'm the type who would like to retire. Yeah. 
So, you know, how we negotiated, okay, we come to an agreement, we would like to put X amount in savings, and you can continue to work. You I know, love that's, that. that. That's up to you. See, that's, that, that, if you think about it, it, it all depends on where you want to go. If you want early retirement, we have to manage our money differently. If we want to be able to, you know, go on trips right now, we might need to work a little longer. Exactly. And the way that we, we've set it up, we will always have X amount of money for our retirement. And this way, whether he chooses to work or not, it doesn't impact that. And this way, we're both happy. Yeah. I, uh, I, I've noticed, and tell me if you've seen this, I mean, there's, we, we have goals. Like, I'll always have couples talk to me about, yeah, for sure, we want to have kids. But they don't necessarily talk about how they're going to pay for the kids, who's going to work, is anyone going to stay home? So we've kind of got the kid idea down, which is, seems like the, you know, the, the obvious, easier part. The, the next part is how do we take care of them? How do we pay? I mean, that's something children cost money. They cost an enormous amount of money. I think it's hundreds of thousands per kid to get them through to college. It's true. And, you know, it, it's so interesting to me. I, I see so many... Uh, counselors talk about, okay, you have to talk about kids. Are you going to have them? Are you not going to have them? But we never take it really one step further. How are you going to pay for it? Right. And what does that mean for your work and your income and your savings? And how many do we want to have? I mean, well, my mom had six. Well, okay, great. If your mom were having babies today, I guess you could have six. How many are you thinking of having? And how many do we want together? I mean, talking is so helpful. It is helpful. And you know, the other thing, too, is what about college? You know, some parents want to put their children and they want to pay for yeah. their children to go to college. And others believe that, you know, they, the kids should pay for themselves if they want to go to college. Mm-hmm. There is no right or wrong answer. The only time it gets to be right or wrong is when you two as a couple aren't in agreement. That's it. And maybe that's an important communication point, isn't it? Is as long as you keep the conversation open to understanding. Let's just, let's just try to understand where we are. Let's not try to convince anyone of anything. Right now, let's just understand. Once you have an understanding, you have open communication, you'll get so much further should a problem arise. Yeah. But once you start saying, like, no, and you get in your encampments, I disagree completely, I'm not going to do it, I don't want to talk about it, that is a recipe for disaster. Oh, yeah. Once you're in a position, too, huh? like, no, we're going to start this new multi-level marketing company. I really want to do it. I want to do it. And um, once, you, once you're hooked in a position, it seems like we argue so much more in positions than we do if we understood the principles. We do, and so many times we get so locked into that position yeah. that even when we're proven wrong, we're so invested in being right. Yeah, we're not. We stop listening, and then you know, everybody loses. Yeah, then we just yeah, then it's just two jerks fighting. Yeah, <laughs> fighting a position when in reality, I, I've actually found working with couples that if we try to find where we have agreement first, we usually have about eighty percent to ninety percent agreement. It's just. It's the last 10% we don't agree on. So let's just find other ways to do the last 10%. You can build on your agreement much more readily than you can build on disagreement. Mm. And, you know, you don't want the disagreements to snowball and then, okay, fine. You don't agree to that, then I'm not going to agree to this either. And, see, then that just gets uglier and uglier yep. and uglier, whereas you just focus on the things that you do agree on and how you can build it. Like you said, make up for that last ten percent. What? Uh, so, so people take this quiz that you've got on your website. Again, go to go to christinasteinorth dot com. If if you're having a harder time finding that, go to matttownsend dot com. 
And on there, on my blog, you'll see the article, or you'll see um, information about Christina's website as well as the the radio, the audio of the radio show, the podcast. So, Christina, they fill out the assessment, um, they go through it, and then they score it, and the scoring basically brings them down into not financially compatible. You're on the right track to becoming financial, financially compatible, or you are financially compatible. And I guess at that point, there's, it's kind of a decision point, right? It is a decision point. If you're only getting one to three yeses between the two of you, please hold off on getting married until you score a little bit higher. Yeah. I mean, that just might mean go take a class, start taking a – I mean, there's a million uh, money management classes. Every bank, every credit union has one. That's a great place to kind of start. Take some communication classes. Let's say that they agree – that uh, they are going to get married, they're moving on. How, or let's say for any couple out there that's already married, how do they go about combining their finances? Because this is like where you're starting to turn the reins over to each other. It is when you're starting to turn the reins over to each other. You, you both need to be comfortable in doing so. And you're going to want to take into consideration the amount of debt you're both carrying into the marriage. Uh, prior financial commitments, alimony, and things like that. You, 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 my best advice to you, because everything varies from state to state, and everybody has their own belief system, I, I think that it, it behooves couples to sit down with a financial planner to see when and if it is smart for you to combine fa- finances, and then discuss it between you two with the information you're getting from the financial professional. That is, I love that idea, because... You then have a third-party professional that we both agree on, so agree on them together. Then it's not like you trying to talk each other into it. I remember going to our financial planner, and I was so ready to get a new car, and my financial planner looked at me like, why? That's such a waste. And I thought, well, I'm glad my wife's not here. Because, but you know what? If your wife would have said that, why? That is, oh yeah, that might have been. To, you yeah. might have taken that like, well, come on, well, you know, then why it's fighting that? words exactly. And that, that's why it's always good to have a, a neutral third party. Mm. It, and it's funny because your financial planner would love it. I mean, oh, yeah. let, let me influence you, and you can do that when you're young, right? You don't just have to wait for a lot of money to go to a financial planner. Right when you're married, it might it'd be great to go get a young financial planner. Oh get my someone God. your age and get going. I, I think that if people did this right off the bat, I think they'd much, be much better off financially throughout the rest of their lives. Yeah. Isn't it funny? It's just it seems so obvious and maybe it's just our history working with couples. But you've sat there a million times where you've just been able to say, "Look, what does your financial planner say?" And they're like, "Well, we haven't asked him." Well, okay. Then fight about it. Exactly. And, you know, a lot of banks, if you have a bank account somewhere, sometimes they offer free financial yep. counseling. Oh, yeah. And there's, them up on it. There's classes and, and there's continuing ed classes all over the world for budgeting. There's stuff online. There's classes you can go take from universities on um, personal finances and personal management. So the, the tools are there. Um, another, another little idea you talk about is think twice bef- about co-signing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, go into that. What do you mean by that? Well, we all know how high the divorce rate is. You know, right now it's hovering about 50%. Yeah. And what I tell people that I work with is, you know, think twice about co-signing because your marriage may not last forever, but your co-signed debt will last forever until you pay it off. That's so true. 
It is true. That's where the commingling, huh? That's the minute they're actually saying. Uh, in divorce world, we used to say, when you take a, wa- a bottle of white paint and a bottle of black paint and you pour them together, you got yourself some gray paint. And once it's gray paint, it's your paint. We share it. It is. It's not returnable anymore. Yeah. You've mixed it, and this is what you have to deal with. And that is the same for co-signing on a debt. I can't tell you how many people divorce and they feel that, okay, the the marital separation agreement or whatever document it is that happens to apply in your state says, okay, this person is going to assume the finances. Mm. They think that that absolves them from the debt. Yeah, right. If you go apply for a home loan or, you know, you want a mortgage, you want a student loan, you'll see very quickly that, no, that does not, that's still on your credit report. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Something you'll want to keep in mind when you co-sign, you know, be very sure that this marriage is going to last as long as your, your at least your debt is going to last. Well, it's interesting because um, it seems like we, I don't know, it's like we don't, we're still in la-la land when we're, when we're making some of these decisions. And then once we get going and you have a child, then, you know, when you have a child, you need a house. Mm-hmm. And when you have a house, you need a car for the child. And we, we buy into all these myths. And, and I think what's neat about having a partner is to to maybe as a couple start taking on the myths because the myths are what are going to create a lot of the financial tension for you. It's true. Like you were talking about in the earlier segment, you know, why get the $250,000 house when the $200,000 house is just as good. Yeah. You know, according to who, why do you need to have the, the more expensive house? Right. And, you know, you can use your partnership to help keep each other in check and ask those types of questions. Yeah. I mean, if you have to, and if you have to go get your loan co-signed to get the house, maybe that's the way the world's telling you you shouldn't have the house yet. I mean, it's like if instead of having to get your parents co-signing and people co-signing and Maybe it's just telling you you're not there yet. Yeah, why not wait a year or two years yeah. so you can get it yourself without a co-signature? And, and what ironically that will do is frustrate you because you won't have your house yet, except you also won't be probably financially strapped yet either. But you're absolutely right. What the financial institution is telling you is, hey, I, we don't think you're ready right now to afford this. Yeah. And we need to listen to that. If we listen to the constructive feedback we get from people, we'd be much better off in all aspects right. of life. Well, but, the, but my friends have a house, and they work the same place I do. Well, yeah, but your friends are also taking on a risk, and they might even have a different profile to be able to handle the risk. Your friends may not be $20,000 in credit card debt, and they may, may not have a car payment that's $400 a month. That's right. Those are all things that play into the, the mortgage lender's decision if they're yeah. going to give you a loan or not. Yeah, and their and their mother may have died, and they've been they've inherited two hundred thousand dollars. So I mean, that's <laughs> we're never in the same battle as everyone else. But uh, that's one reason talking again. Talking it sounds like is what we keep going back to. As we um, as we kind of are wrapping this up, give me if if you think about it, Christina. What's what's the one or two things that you think make the biggest difference? In, in managing your money with your partner? I think one of the things that makes the biggest difference is if you both have the same savings philosophy. Because if you don't, you're going to get so resentful every time yeah. your partner buys something, mentions buying something, you know, wants to spend more on a hotel room than you do, because 
those types of things you will eventually see as taking away from your retirement. Yeah. So really try to come up with a, a mutually agreeable savings agreement between the two of you. And, and that could be one, a neat way to look at that is not my way or your way, but it's our way. Let's find a new way that we like to do it, that we're going to do it. Exactly. Because it's team building. Again, it, it improves your communication skills, not only for your finances, but for the rest of your relationship too. If you can navigate your finances together, you have a much better chance of being able to navigate the other difficulties in your marriage you'll eventually run into. That's huge. And now, is this, is this information in your book? I touch on it in my book. And, you know, if you go to my website from time to time, I run articles about this kind of stuff all the time. You are the financial guru for marriage. My goodness. I've just you. deemed you such. Thank you. So well much. done, Christina. So appreciate you. Again, Christina Steinorth. Go to her website, get the book. Uh, and Christina Steinorth's website is christinasteinorth.com. Check it out. She is uh, adding a lot to the world, helping us uh, manage our money as couples. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I think we're going to get into the news and do a little review of the news when it comes to debt and money crunching down on our relationships. After that, uh, we're going to be going to another guest who's going to teach us about fear and where fear might be creeping into how you manage your money. Folks, you're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. Again, trying to show you the good in life. That is the goal of BYU Broadcasting. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Coach Matt here, coaching you in your relationship issues today. We're talking marriage and money, you know. Um, the funny thing in my marriage, I've never had both. Just had the marriage side, so I never had to worry about the money side. Someday, that'd be great. Our own uh, Colonel Rob Sanders is joining us. Rob, I guess you put together a little uh, a little bit of the news on money. Talking about money. Debt in the news. Debt is a vice... And when we're in debt, we sometimes do stupid things. Take this man, for instance. He bought a 43-inch Samsung Plasma TV. He didn't actually buy it. It was a rent to own. Then he realized he could pay back some of his debts by selling the TV, which he didn't own yet. There was only two problems with that plan. One, the store found out that's considered theft, and now he's off to jail. And two, he sold his $500 TV for $150. Now, of course, you could decide to skip out on paying your utility payments to help pay down your debts. The problem? Those utility payments turn into debts themselves. Like a man from Siberia living in Moscow. He stopped paying for his electricity, racked up $4,000 in debt. And I guess in Russia, you can get thrown in jail for that because the police showed up to get him at his wedding. He had just said, I do, and was about to exchange rings when he ended up with two rings on his wrists. Hey, speaking of weddings... Debt can ruin your wedding. Like this couple in Florida who decided to use debt to finance a fancy wedding. Everybody had a good time, except for them a few months later when they realized they were starting off a marriage with payments for a party that had long since passed. Some savvier young couples are maybe being too cautious the other way around. 15% of college graduates are postponing marriage because their student loan payments are too high. The average debt for a college grad in America is 25 grand, and they realize that if they're having trouble making that payment now, 
It's only going to get worse when mortgages, children, car payments, and medical bills pop in the picture. But the Washington Times says it is kind of sad when paying bills becomes more important than paying attention to one another. Could student debt actually cancel a wedding? One guy in his late 20s writes in to say that he is involved with a truly wonderful woman, and in a perfect world, he'd marry her tomorrow. Except that she went to law school and now owes $150,000, and the law field isn't doing so well, so she's not making a whole lot of money. And so that debt is hanging over the potential marriage like a flashing red neon stop sign. He says, I'd like to think I'm a generous guy, but I don't know, that's kind of a deal breaker. But six-figure student loan debt isn't just for us commoners. Oh, no. There are some big-name people who carried big loans for a very long time, like Barack and Michelle Obama. The couple had $120,000 in student debt. They did finally pay it off when he ran for Senate in 04. Not just young people, but well-established couples coming up on their 30th anniversary. That's a problem for them, too. What happens when you're getting ready to retire and you have a mortgage with a balance higher than the amount you owe on your house? Well, then you can't retire. You have to keep working. But there is a way out. Maybe. At least there was for this couple. They'd been married for over 30 years and owed $89,000 in credit card debt. It wasn't like they put in a pool or anything. Ten years ago, her husband was switching careers. She was working. They lived on their savings to help make the difference, but eventually ended up relying on credit cards, and the debt just kind of crept up on them over several years. The payment on that credit card? $3,000 a month. But what'd they do? Well, they sold their house, moved into a small apartment, got rid of one of their cars, cut back in every possible way, and over the last eight years, they finished paying off their debt, which means they won't have much, but retirement is now possible. And that's a look at debt in the news. There's a lot of debt in the news. Yeah. You'd think there wouldn't be as much debt. Young in a and con- old. Yeah, young and old debt. Um, you'd think there wouldn't be as much debt in a country like the United States of America. Oh, no. I mean, you think about uh, you know developing countries. Uh, they have a lot less debt. Yeah. <laughs> a lot less money, but, you know. Yeah. But they don't know that you can borrow. Well, with just a little credit. Well, the difference is I wonder if it's not as predatory because they're the cool microcredit stuff where it's like they'll borrow $300 to start a business selling cow's milk or something, but they need equipment to transport the milk or something, you know? Yeah. And they can build an entire business out of that versus here. Yeah. You, all $300, you need is a- that's an interest payment, you know? Yeah. That's. Well, yeah. You need all you need is a cow in certain countries to be able to live pretty well. Here, you know, you need multi-million dollars of venture capital. Well, or you just have to hit the cow. Then you got to buy it, and then you got to go get it butchered. Then you got meat for about a year. Hmm. Corn's a lot easier to take care of. Again, from Iowa, <laughs> just in a latest update from Skyboy <laughs> in Iowa. Or you could just have some corn. I agree. Yeah. Wow. That's the depth we got on the show. <laughs> so we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to bring the depth back in. Kimberly Giles is joining us. She's a coach. She likes to be called the queen. Actually, I don't think that's true. She says no. She She's going to teach us what's really behind all this, uh, the fear of money, all the arguing, all of the tension we feel. Something is looming And I bet she's going to have a pretty cool way to go figure it out. Stay put. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're joined by the coach extraordinaire, Kimberly Giles. Kim, you're the best. Thanks for being here. I'm happy to be here. Excited. And, and Kim is, you know, one of our favorites. She's an executive coach, author, speaker, extraordinaire. If you go to claritypointcoaching.com, you'll get, is that where you want us to go? Yeah. That's a great place to find you because you kind of do it all. You do TV, you do, you have uh, bits in newspapers, uh, like articles. You're, you're the real deal. I'm busy. Busy. A little busy. Now, have you ever noticed something in all your coaching with people, couples and everything? Have you ever noticed that um, people get wigged out by money? You probably haven't seen that. Uh, I've seen that a few times. (laughs) Couples especially. It messes us up. It really does. And matter of fact, I was warned about this. When I got married, my grandpa told me every couple fights about sex and money. Yes. That's 90% of the issue. Oh, man. Those two things just... I know. They go hand in hand. And, yeah, cause most of the issues. And, and they should But shouldn't. today we're going to just talk about the money yeah, side. Yeah, let's not talk about the sex side. Let's, we'll save that. Um, Another day. But the money side, it's, but it, interestingly, honestly, it might be the same problem. The why we fight about money might be why we have other problems in the bedroom as well. I don't know. Just throwing that at you. It can be because okay. it can be a trust issue. Yeah. And and really, the reason these things pull up so much emotion and we get so crazy, I mean, mm-hmm. the fighting about money, it makes us behave really badly. Oh, yeah. And, and money's not the real issue is what you're saying. There's something not. else. Well, the, it's the money, but it's because money issues trigger what is everyone's two deepest, darkest fears. Oh, no. Really? What? Okay. The first one yep. is your fear of failure. Basically, the fear of just not being good enough. Yeah. And if you fail financially, the whole world sees that you weren't enough. Yeah. Implosion. Yeah. Loser. So we've got a a lot of fear around looking bad, being embarrassed, and just having everybody know that we didn't we didn't make it. Well, have you ever had somebody in your neighborhood that was having major financial trouble? Next thing you know, they're moving out. Their house has been taken away, and nobody knew. And you're like, because we didn't want anyone to know we were failing. Oh, yeah. It's so embarrassing. And people could help. We could have helped. We knew people. We could have refinanced. There was stuff we could have done. Yeah. No it's, it's, it hits fear home of failure. deep. So that's the that's first huge. one. And the second biggest, deepest, darkest fear is our fear of loss. And it's really around that our life isn't going to end up good enough because we're going to lose out. Oh. And and so we can lose money, we can lose yeah. reputation. I mean, there's so many things we're holding on to, just white knuckle. Well, and opportunities for our children. They need we need money so that they can play instruments, so that they can be famous. Yeah. Or play sports. So, so they if can we go pro. lose, they lose. And I mean, I mean, this is we're talking a quality of your entire life, and you only get one shot at it. Yeah. So if your life doesn't turn out good enough, that's scary. Yeah. This you blew it. Well, and the funny thing about money is it seems like, you know, eight years ago, people seemed to be doing pretty well. And then something happened. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, this is messed up. So so it's so cyclical. So if all of a sudden your, your self-worth, your sense of values coming from money. Yeah, you're in trouble. You're in trouble because the fear is going to hit no matter what. So yep. what do you do then? By the way, both are fears, fear of failure, fear of loss. Mm-hmm. And even the loss could, I guess, be lost opportunity, lost reality. 
any of the above. Yeah. It's losing anything. So it sounds like this, the, the actual secret is the fear. The fear is what they both share. Well, but the fear is different for both of them. Yeah. And so in your previous segment with Christina, you, know, you guys were talking yeah. about kind of making sure you're compatible before you get married. But what if you're too late for that? Yeah, what if you stepped in it and all of a sudden, boom, here we are. And every time money comes up, it's a big fight. Yeah. So you do one of two things. You either fight all the time or you try to avoid Ignore talking it. about it. Yeah. And that's an even bigger problem. Yeah. Then we hide it and it sneaks around to get us later. Yeah. So I, I, I heard you guys talking about how important it is to talk. But the problem is we got to we kind of need to give people a little more instructions yeah. than that. Talk about what? Exactly. Yeah. They need to know. So can I give you a couple have it. ideas? First of all, money represents different things to different people. Yeah. And you've got to understand what money represents to your spouse. And yeah. she's got to understand what it represents to you. So let me give you some possibilities. Yep. For some people, money represents security and peace of mind. But it's only if I have money sitting in the bank yeah. that I feel safe reserves, and secure. right? Yeah. yeah. If I have reserves, then I'm safe and secure. Right. Right. Now, for other people, money represents freedom. Right. And it's about having the freedom to live the way I want and have money to spend on the things that I want to buy. Yeah. And so if I don't have that, I'm going to literally feel so oppressed yeah. and unhappy and controlled. And because money, my freedom is literally taken away to uh, live. Right. So that can be a big deal. With a lot of people, money is all about the scorecard. Yeah, we're ahead of everyone else. It we're represents your value. Yeah, yeah. Don't you think for totally. a lot of men? Oh no, totally. It's I think totally that's a, the scorecard. That's why the fear of failure seems to me very much kind of the male psyche is if I'm not producing money or enough, and it, by the way, then that, I'm not enough. And if I see my wife stressed about the money, it's because you're failing. I'm a loser. Like, Ugh. what man can't make his wife happy? Well, that is why a wife has got to understand what money represents yeah. to her husband yeah. so that she can be aware that when she freaks out, <laughs> he experiences, I'm not good yeah, enough. Yeah, it's personal to him. Yeah. And it's and the thing with, with men and money in the scorecard is some of them, it's how much money I have saved in the bank. For others, it's how much I'm spending on toys. Yeah. I mean, because that's, that's my scorecard. Isn't it interesting? So it's, but it's, it seems like... Either one of these – we're just trying to validate we're, – we're just maybe putting our validation in the wrong place, right? Well, we're doing everything we do to quiet that fear that yeah. I'm not good enough. Yeah. So whatever that is for you, but is it Buy the more toys, toys yeah. I'm good enough or yeah. is it this, the big total in my savings account yeah. that You know what it is for me? Skyboy? Uh, abs. <laughs> It's all about the abs for Skyboy. The six-pack, he's good. Well, his isn't quite a six-pack. His is just a pack. Well, I won't make him show it to don't, us. Don't, please we'll, don't. We won't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> but it, so it's funny, but some will go to their body, huh? And some will go to their money. And But that's why But health, usually money. Money. Oh, it's it, the quintessential, it, yeah. especially in our economy, At in our world. At some level, it's for everybody. Yeah. Now, there's another thing money you could have grown up in a home where your parents criticized rich people and oh, saw yeah. them as greedy yeah, and bad. They're evil. So to you, money represents a bad thing. Yeah. And you almost subconsciously are not. Well, you're better if you're poor. Right. right. You're more good and yeah. you're the good people. You're honorable. People. You, yeah, you're, you're submitting. 
submissive. So you need to understand if that is an attitude your spouse grew up with. Because if you haven't talked about that yeah. and explored it, you don't understand where he's coming from or so, where she's So this is from. saying if we're going to understand, get into the deeper meaning behind what the symbol of money means. What does it represent yeah. to you? It, it's interesting because it does. It can represent leisure and it can represent safety and it can represent – and yet – Interestingly, the research doesn't show that having a ton of money makes you happier. Or feel more secure. Yeah, no. Because I know a lot of really rich people who are scared to death oh, yeah. they're of still, loss well, every they're still, minute. Exactly. Because what if you lose all your money? Then yeah. you really failed. So you had it and you lost it. I actually have this story what? that I saw the other day, and I can't take credit for it. I found it on Facebook. But it talks about this this woman who came upon a precious stone, I think it was like a gem, yeah. worth, worth a ton of money, in a stream. And she saved it and put it in her bag. And the next day, this hungry traveler comes along and wants something to eat. And when she opened her bag to give him some food, he saw the gem. The and he asked if he could have that. Because with that, he could be secure and not have to worry the rest of his life. And she handed it over. And he took it. And a few days later, he came back and found her again, and he handed the gem back. And he said, I've been thinking about this, and although I know how valuable this is, I'm returning it to you because I want you to give me something even more precious. And she says, well, what's, what's that? Give me what you have within yourself that enabled you to give the stone away. Oh, that's cool. And not be scared. Yeah, see, that's cool. That's like... That's like the Buddhist Zen kind of tradition of having nothing tangible be your identity. Just give it away. I don't right. know. None of it's that's not me anyway. And so it's kind of a false sense of security that we yeah. think money's gonna give that to us yeah. because the more you get, you still No. So where does a real sense of security come from? Well, Bryce would tell you um, bacon. That's the answer to everything, I think. It is the price. So I would say, okay, the real sense of security should have to come from – it has to come from an inner peace of knowing who you are in relation to the great scheme of things. Ooh, yeah. You're right on track. I think it comes down to your trusting God and life and yourself that you can – take care of yourself and that you'll be blessed and opportunities yeah. will show up and that the process of life will serve you if you work hard and you can rest easy at night if you just trust in those things. Well, so it's this, so it's the confidence. I even call that like the independence to know you can trust in a God that will protect you, that you can make it through it no matter what. Yeah, and, you and your own question, abilities. Go back and get more insight. Yeah, have you ever heard that thing that if they took all the money in the world and divided it equally among everybody, within a couple of years it would all be back pretty much where it is yeah, already. Because right. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's it's hardworking and creativity and, yeah. and entrepreneurship that and and if you have that, that's really your sense of security. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I have a client right now who's out of work. And it has been getting into some fear. Oh, yeah. Big time. Real scary. But but I keep reminding him who he is because he hasn't lost that. Yeah. And the same thing that let him earn a good living before will serve him again. Oh, yeah. Because he's still got all that. Well, so think of it as so you're on your deathbed and 
what's another million? At that point. You're just like, Phew. Yeah. Yeah. But Dude, if no one's coming around, I mean, I mean, it's interesting. On your deathbed, what's going to matter? At that point, it was all Monopoly money. Yeah. Have you ever heard that thing about the, the guy that was the champion Monopoly player? No. And I mean, every time they played, he'd amass this fortune. He was so rich. So after one game, he piled up all that money and took it to a financial planner and piled it up on the guy's desk in the pink and green and blue <laughs> and said, I want to invest it. And the guy's, I hate to tell you this, dude, but this... This ain't worth anything out that of the was game. Skyboy, wasn't it? Skyboy. <laughs> Silly. But when you think about it on your deathbed, it's it. That's it was it all Monopoly money. Well, yeah, but it's, it could be anything it, you've accumulated. It has no value once yeah. you leave here. Mm-hmm. So you're you're, uh, you're going to die anyway. So, we all will. But like, the, but the guy on his deathbed is sitting there worried and worried about the how am I going to pay and who's going to pay for this and look, you're going to be dead in a week. <laughs> You're going to be – I mean, it'd be matter. great to leave everyone happier. But in reality, yeah. why don't you just spend your time with them right now? So what we're really talking about is focusing on a bigger picture than just money as the answer yeah. to everything. To yeah. be your security, you got to have trust and faith in something bigger yeah. than just but that's, money. Think of that in your marriage. So all of a sudden, do we have a shared vision about what money, what the role it plays in our life and how much power we should give it. I mean, that's what we should be talking about is what is our vision? What do we believe in more than money bringing us happiness? That's what you're saying. Some principles. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, we also need to be very accurate about where our fears are about money, each of us, and what triggers those fears that make us get irrational and upset and start the fights. And if you really understand what you're spouse's fear is about money, you can then really come up with some rules that make you both feel comfortable. Yeah, exactly. But until you've had that discussion, you're not going to be making the right rules. Right. You'll just, but you'll make rules and then all of a sudden you'll realize no one's living our rules. Why don't we ever live our rules? Well, because they're not rules on the right problem. Right. And, and a lot of the fear stuff is happening on a subconscious level. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't really realize yeah. that they grew up in a family that hated right. rich people. Yeah. And that that is literally subconsciously yeah. self-sabotaging their career. Which is why they're afraid of success. They're afraid of notoriety. They're afraid of hitting So they'll big. play small mm-hmm. and not be conscious of it. So we got to have these conversations to try to bring it to our consciousness. How do you notice, though? Like, that's a great point, because how do you notice your own thinking except with your own thinking? And most of our thinking is a little convoluted. So maybe that is actually why you need a partner, because my partner can see through some of my some of the stuff you can't yeah. see. Yeah. So I present it and she'll be like, no, there's got to be more to it than that. Now, here's another idea. I've got a really interesting, weird assessment test on my website. I think really? we've yeah, talked no, about it before. Yeah. It's a fear assessment. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it literally measures your subconscious fears. Does it really? It's the oddest test. Do you get electrocuted? When you take it? Yeah. No, it's pretty painless. Okay, good, because I, I like it. So th- is this on Clarity Point Coaching? It is, and it's oh, free. Good. Anybody can just go take it, and and they'll get a report. And it's really interesting as a husband and wife to put them side by side and look at the ways fear affects each of you differently. That it's is fascinating. Well, because the fear is really the root of a ton of problems, Yeah, and if it's, not all and a lot of them are subconscious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So even if you have that discussion with their your spouse, they may not 
yeah. know that that's well. That's what why you, you can talk to somebody. You really need to be stronger, and they're like, "I totally do." I, you're so right, and that's a very cognitive conversation. We're all very heady about it. Mm-hmm. Then, two days later, you're in the same scenario, doing the same thing, in the same problem, with the same fear, subconsciously driving the same result. And you look at yourself like, "What is my deal?" That's a pretty good indicator. You have a deeper subconscious issue. It is, especially if the same patterns keep repeating in yeah. your life over and over. There's something deeper, and you need yeah. some help with it. Oh man, Kim, you're deep. Have you thought of that? Someone needs to tell you you're deep. (laughs) Um, So they can go to the website, claritypointcoaching.com, take the fear assessment. Plus, you can just learn about everything she does. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but Kim's a phenom. And um, Kim, what else? Give us the one thing that makes the biggest difference. What's the one thing that for for fear and money to get to the fear and to kind of cleanse it from you? You know, I would say, first of all, you've got to figure out what you believe and what you can trust in because trust is the answer to get rid of your fear. So whether it's your spiritual beliefs, yeah. you have faith in something that you can count on yeah. that's going to help you. It's immovable kind of. Yeah, yeah. That, you, that you can trust in, whether it's your own abilities. But you need to make a conscious decision over and over and over that you're going to trust over fear. So when you feel the fear, recognize it, mm-hmm. notice it. Hey, that's fear. Oh, that tells me because Kim taught me I probably need to backtrack and find some trust. What's my source of trust? So especially when you're behaving badly mm-hmm. and fighting, you need to stop and ask yourself, what am I afraid of? Yeah, where's my – yeah. Because you're afraid of something that's yeah. triggering this. I remember you once on the show talked about uh, – Fear is just a cry of pain looking for love. Yeah, all fear is a request for love and validation. So, And so what you're saying is that validation would come. So if you believed in a God and you believe strongly in a God and you're feeling fear, then now's the time to probably go trust in that God. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. I I step back and go, you know what? He's always had my back. And every time I've been afraid that my world was going to fall apart financially, things happen. And I find the right doors and they open. And I've always been okay. And you'd think after a while I could really just trust that because it comes through every time. But it's that subconscious. And that the subconscious is designed to – I mean it's getting you – it's trying to preserve you. It's trying to protect you. It's, it's, It's creating misery. For you. It thinks it's serving yeah, you. But it's, it's really trying yeah, to. Yeah. But in reality, it's just creating misery. And so at some yeah. point you need to be conscious enough to say, oh, it's happening. It's yep. happening. Oh, what do we do? Oh, we go to that trust. What can I trust? Well, I'm going to go to my God. Some will go to meditate and find peace. Some will, whatever it is, some will try to be present. Go back to trusting in yourself and your abilities mm-hmm. and what you know you've done in the past that you'll be able to do again. Yeah. Don't you think it shouldn't be a corn dog though? They shouldn't go to the corn dog because that's what Skyboy does. <laughs> okay. The dude, eat, the dude eats eight corn dogs a day because Are you he's serious? from Iowa. Is that bad? I, I would think as a health professional, that's worrisome. It's messed up. But he's from Iowa and they, he doesn't eat a hot dog, he just eats a corn dog. Whatever. We try to help him. I always bring it back to Sky because if we can make Sky understand it, boom. Anyone can understand All right, we'll it. keep working on him. Kim, you're the best. Okay, now you're going to stick with this because we have a test. We're going to give you a test about what things cost. I shop a lot. I might be good at that. Okay, well, let me just tell you. You're taking me on. 
And I don't shop ever. But he's a doctor. But I am a doctor, so watch out. We're playing (laughs) the pricing game when we come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Are you ready for America's Shortest and BYU Radio's only game show? I'm ready. The cost is correct, which for legal reasons has nothing in common whatsoever to the CBS trademark show. The prize is right. <laughs> the cost is correct. Is that what we're playing? Yes. yes. Okay. I can hardly wait. Explain the rules. Okay, real quick. Uh, I'm going to name is, a- Kim's going against, we're going against each other. Yeah, just now, the Kim, two of you. Skyler, don't hold it against Skyler me. Skyler will keep score. Because we've got eight items here. Okay. And whoever gets closest to the price. No, none of this over, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, under yeah. thing. I'll, I'll hit it pretty no, much. No one going for like $1. None oh, yeah. That. No, I'm going to nail it. Okay. So uh, these prices are all courtesy of a popular chain store around the nation that okay. will go nameless. Yes. And these name brands are also nameless. Does it does it rhyme with Gall Bart? It does. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Just thanks, check it. Thanks to the internet pricing. Okay. And so, the price number one. Price number one. First product. Toothpaste. A single tube of name brand high-end whitening and other stuff toothpaste. $2.99. Matt wins that round. What was it? $3.97. Oh, I was thinking like, I was thinking... (sighs) See, I'm such a bargain it's, shopper. It's I don't, end, I don't buy it. This is from Galbart. Remember that. Okay. Extra whitening and all that. Galbart. All right, next. Okay. A gallon of milk. One gallon of milk. Uh, and j- this is approximation. Apparently, this is heavily influenced by local prices. Is this cow milk or goat milk? Uh, cow. Standard, 2%. Okay. I don't, if, you're, uh, if you're buying I'm going to say or 1%. again. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say 354 <laughs> Oh... 350. Oh, God, you're me. I was right there. Okay. I would Number drink three. a lot of milk. Number three. One pound ground beef. Uh, 4.85. Really? You know what? I'm vegetarian, so I have no idea. <laughs> okay, on this I'm one. gonna go higher on that. I'm gonna say, what'd you say? 485. I'm gonna say 550. 398. Crud. Oh, meat, meat I, so, I so win the, the hamburger that <laughs> I... Hold on. You're up. I don't drink milk either, so... Okay, so, so it's two to one. Of course I'd I play think. a vegetarian. Right, yes, Matt's up. How do I have a vegetarian all doing right. all these answers? Number four. You're ahead. You're ahead. Soap. This is name brand hand sanitizer antibacterial with antioxidants foamy dispenser two-pack soap. Oh, two-pack soap would be about three... No, sorry, uh, 487. Five fifty. Three sixty-eight. <laughs> I guess we both went over there. That was okay, num- yeah, next one. Shaving razor. Name brand three blade disposable razors, three count two pack. So you're getting six three blades total. Two pack. Boy, you don't need but to sell us on And these are I th- these are men's razors. Are they disposable? Because I'd never buy those. Um <sighs> I'd still say around two ninety nine. This, for the total six blades? Yeah, but they're disposable. I'm going to go with a... Um, are I'm they the no-name brand? Low, are they the, are they the, they're the name brand. I'm going to go with 412. Uh, technically, Matt's the winner. 1376. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I use... Razors are no, really expensive. No, my razors expensive. cost me $20. Yeah. So, so but razors... But it comes with a barber. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, okay, what are Man, we, how good okay, families we, live? I know they can't. So we got to fight. We got three more. If okay, we can go real let's fast. Let's go. Go okay. for it. Toilet paper, twelve pack, name brand, increased softness. Ooh, double ply. Uh, I don't know. We'll check. <laughs> um, if it's double ply, I'm going to go. I don't. Know. These are mega rolls, twelve pack. Oh, mega rolls. It's like our show. Pack. I'm going to say twelve dollars. Mm, eight ninety nine. Twelve ninety seven. Boy, God, holy cow! I never buy toilet you know paper when it's this that is expensive. Every vacation, yeah. I buy something. I go shopping with my wife. All right, two more. Two every more. Every vacation. Name brand powerized glass cleaner with ammonia. Powerized, huh? That's what it said. With ammonia. Yeah. Four fifty eight. Because that's mm, the clock. Five fifty. That's Kim. Five twenty two. <sighs> Oh, you went over though. And uh, but that's, that's okay. okay. That's, that's okay. allowed. Last one. Cheater. Last one. Breakfast cereal. Oh, Breakfast which... cereal bundle. A healthy cereal, a good tasty junk food type cereal, and a granola type thing. Are they taped together? All, all three of them together. Hmm. All three of them together. If I had a coupon, they'd be three dollars a box. No, they'd be four three fifty yeah, a box. No way, they're expensive. Seven. I'd say I'd ten say fifty. Twelve. Ten thirty-four. I think oh, that makes Matt the cow. winner. You killed me. See that? And you never shop. I shop twice a year. I bargain shop. I would never pay these prices. Well, you need to go to Galbart. <laughs> um, Kim, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Don't be afraid it's of so doing it fun. again, and don't be afraid of competing in these games with me. Because just because I'm the boss. I'm gonna get you next time. Next time we'll uh, we'll prepare you a little bit better, folks. Thanks for joining the show. Just learned a lot about money and marriage. Please go and do, go do some of the homework that Kim taught you. Go check out her website, claritypointcoaching.com, and take the fear assessment there. And also remember to look to the higher power that can take away the fear and bring back the trust. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks for joining us. We'll uh, talk to you again tomorrow right here on BYU Radio. 